creative solutions to podcasting problems. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 278. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm wrapping up and concluding this series I've been doing on fixing common podcasting problems. I've talked previously about fixing common interview problems, presentation problems, recording problems, WordPress problems, and other common podcasting problems that you may face. So definitely go to the website and listen to those past episodes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a single episode. And also subscribe to the email newsletter. That's where I provide some bonus content exclusively to email subscribers. It's not merely saying latest episode, latest episode, latest episode, but I provide exclusive content that I publish there and not anywhere else. You can also get deals through email and other cool things like that. But I've got some great content lined up for you in this episode. You'll be hearing from some guests that I interviewed at Podcast Movement 2016, and they'll be sharing their creative solutions to the following podcasting problems that they faced making interesting openings, getting sponsors, appearing on TV and interviewing popular guests, reducing reverb, and telling stories. I've got a surprise special guest for that last one. If you'd like to follow along in the show notes for this episode, number 278, then go to slash creative solutions. Before I get into the content for this episode, I want you to know about something I'm really excited about for this week. Thursday, August 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, that's GMT minus four, I'm doing a free webinar with my good friend, Gordon Firemark. He's an entertainment lawyer, and we will be presenting to you what you need to know about the law and your podcast. Think about this. Have you ever wanted to use someone else's copyrighted music in your podcast? Have you ever been confused about the legality of what is fair use? What are you allowed to do? How many seconds can you use of other copyrighted content? What about making fan content for something else? Can you use their name in your show? Can you use their images in your cover art? What happens if someone else has a podcast that uses the same name as your podcast? Or you want to start a podcast that's the same name as someone else's podcast or very similar? What happens if you get a legal letter from someone else? What if you interview someone and they come back to you and say, hey, I don't like that interview anymore. I demand that you take it down. And in fact, here's a letter from my lawyer demanding that you take it down. Or someone saying, hey, I didn't know you had a sponsor for your episode. I want some of that money since I appeared on the episode. I made that content for you. I was a guest on your podcast. I deserve some of that money. What do you do? How do you prevent these kinds of problems? How do you address this stuff? And there are many other legal issues that you could face in podcasting. So what Gordon Firemark and I want to do is to help you avoid those headaches, to avoid those struggles. We want to keep you from going to jail, in other words, and we want to prevent you from having all of those legal problems that you could be opening yourself up to right now, and you may not even know it. 
So that's why you should come to our free webinar on August 25th, 2016. To register for it, go to podcasterssociety.com and click on the button to register for our free webinar. Now, when you register, you will get access to a replay. So even if you can't make it to the live webinar on that Thursday, August 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, GMT minus four, register for the webinar anyway so you can get access to that replay. The replay will be available for only a short time after we do that webinar, so you will be able to watch it for free. But then after that, the replay becomes exclusive to members of Podcaster Society. So if you're listening to this anytime after August 25th, 2016, and you'd still like to see that webinar, then go join Podcaster Society at podcastersociety.com and you'll get immediate access to that webinar and a whole lot of other great webinars and great resources that we have put out there to help you to improve the podcast that you already have. Check it out, register for the webinar and check out Podcaster Society at podcastersociety.com. I'll share a brief message for you from Gordon Firemark at the end of this episode, but I want to get into this great information that my guests shared with me when I talked to them at Podcast Movement 2016. Show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash creative solutions. The first problem you may face is making interesting openings. Many podcasters will start their podcast off with the same basic things, same music, same talking points, same stuff, and they may not even get into interesting content for quite a while. And that's a problem that Colleen Mullen was facing. She's the host of Coaching Through Chaos and Shrink to Shrink. And she had this to share on how she creatively solved that problem. I realized that as I was doing Coaching Through Chaos, which is an interview-based show, I was continually saying the same thing for the first three to five minutes of every episode. And I realized that I needed to change that up because not only would my listeners be bored with that, I was getting bored with that. And so right before I showed up for Podcast Movement, I decided with my current episode to change that up. And I went straight into engaging my audience in a thinking exercise like have you ever thought of this or what was it like when you had this kind of relationship or have you ever known somebody like this and already in four days our numbers are triple what they normally are wow nice so i figured that that was a good move to make i I love it when people front load the content and avoid those patterns like the in this episode in this episode and it's really hard like even when i decided to start doing the teasers before my episodes i started realizing i was saying i'm going to tell you i'm going to tell you i'm going to tell you and to try and get out of that so good job in this episode this is what's happening and you know and so what happened was i was sitting in on your session today and you said this the front-loaded content and then you described what that was and i'm still like i'm a year into this but i still don't know the lingo and i realized that's exactly what i did and that's exactly what i changed and i looked at my numbers and i was like oh this is pretty great. So I'm really happy for the people that have engaged with it. And I'm going to keep up that change. Special thanks to Colleen Mullen from coachingthroughchaos.com and shrinktoshrink.com. That's with the number two in the middle there for that great feedback. And certainly when people feel that they're getting value from your podcast, especially earlier on and you're engaging them, your podcast is no longer boring. Think of it as the movies from the 
80s, 70s, 60s, those older movies where the first thing that happens when you press play is go get the popcorn, get comfortable, whatever, because you've got time as what happens in those older movies, they display the credits and there's music, some boring stuff going on, and then they eventually get into the content. Well, newer movies today, like think about the the superhero movies that we have. They start off, boom, action right away. They hook you in immediately. So make your podcast that way too. Here are two tips that I pulled from what Colleen said. Number one, avoid saying the same thing in your episode openings. Yes, there will be the certain repeatable things like your tagline or the name of your host and certain other things that are important for you to repeat. But she was saying that she was having three to five minutes of saying the same thing episode after episode. And when she discovered that it was the same, she cut that down, made it more interesting. And this leads into point two, to make it more interesting, number two, engage your audience right away. Ask them a question. Give them a teaser. Tell them what's coming up in the episode. There are all kinds of ways that you can do that to engage your audience right away, and that makes your episode openings much more interesting. Thanks to Colleen for being part of this episode with me. If you'd like to check out her podcasts, then click on the links in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash creative solutions. She mentioned my presentation that I gave at Podcast Movement 2016. One of the things I said in that presentation was to front load your content. If you want to see an extended version of that presentation where I get into content that I didn't even mention in my presentation at Podcast Movement 2016, I cover things in more depth and more detail than at Podcast Movement 2016, then join Podcaster Society because I represented the extended version of that presentation exclusive to members of Podcaster Society. And you have immediate access to that and all of our other training to help you improve and grow your podcast from average to amazing at podcasterssociety.com. Second problem here, getting sponsors. Maurice Cherry from revisionpath.com shared this. I think the problem that I've creatively solved is sponsorship. And the way that I've creatively solved that is different from what I hear a lot of other shows do. Normally what you hear about with the sponsorship model for podcasts is CPM or clicks per mill. For smaller shows, I mean, our show has been around for three years, but we're still a fairly small show. We're never going to get to those numbers where a CPM is going to be effective. Even doing a CPA or a cost per action might not be super effective. So the creative way that we solved it, actually it's two ways. The first is to only go after sponsors that we actually use. So that way we can come to them as a customer to a business instead of just a regular show to any other company to get money. Um, And secondly, the creative way is to just sell them on the value of our show. We make sure that the value of our show matches up with whatever their corporate values are, and that's how we make the sale for sponsorship. And so with that, we've been able to get MailChimp, we've been able to get Hover, and just recently Facebook. Now, we were talking about this earlier, but I want this recorded. (laughs) One of the things, like Facebook, everybody knows Facebook, and I think one of the questions that one some people may be asking is what does facebook want people to do because isn't everybody on facebook Mm -hmm. well i guess to clarify a little bit it's facebook design which of course is the the design and the engineering arm of facebook so really facebook design is about giving back to the design community revision path is a design podcast and so they just want more people to know about the work that they're doing 
the real call to action with them is visit Facebook Design at facebook.com forward slash design. And they talk about the tools that they create, like origami. They talk about how they give back to the design community, things like that. They just want to make sure that that goodwill gets out there into the community. Special thanks to Maurice Cherry from RevisionPath.com for sharing that great information. And it's really cool to see him getting great sponsors like that, sponsors that we might not normally think of, but make really make perfect sense for his audience. And so the two things that I pulled from what he said is, number one, only go after sponsors you actually use. Now, there may be those sponsors that you've been interested in trying. For example, a while back, I had Harry's as a sponsor of one of the episodes of the Audacity Podcast. I'd heard a lot about Harry's, and I do certainly shave, so I was very interested to try Harry's. And my agreement with the sponsor was, send me a trial pack that I can actually try the razor and give me enough time to really see how well this works and how comfortable I am using it and that kind of thing, and then I'll do my ad spot. And the result was, for me, much better personal experience. And because they sponsored my podcast, I became a customer of Harry's. I recently ordered more razors from Harry's. And by the way, if you want to use my promo code, I'm not getting paid for this right now, but if you want to use my promo code, use the promo code noodle. That saves you, I believe, $5 off your first order of something from Harry's. But I now actually use them because I wanted to try them to have them as a sponsor for the podcast. And I wouldn't have any of the other shaving companies be a sponsor because I have used their products and I don't believe in them enough to be a sponsor. But even then, when I did actually use the razor, I was able to say, I used this and I compared it to fresh blades from this other competing company that you can get anywhere in the stores. And I liked the Harry's blades much better. And not only were they better, they were also less expensive. So I could speak from experience. Only go after sponsors you actually use or would use or you're trying to use. And the second thing I got from Maurice was convince sponsors on the value of your show and ensure that it matches their value. Not value as in price, but values. What is the why? Why are you podcasting? What kind of change do you want to make on the world? How does that align with your sponsors? Do your sponsors want to change the world in the same way you do? Or do your sponsors make something that enable people to change the world in the same way you're encouraging your audience to change the world? Look for that combination of values before you try to convince them on the value alone of your show. And when you have that perfect relevant combination, then the price tag almost doesn't matter. Thank you very much, Maurice Cherry from revisionpath.com for that great information and for being part of this podcast. Problem number three, appearing on TV and interviewing popular guests. Maybe you've never thought of appearing on TV or maybe you've thought, oh, it would be so great if my local news would cover me in some way and I could get some local media coverage. And that's a problem and also kind of a solution that Stefan Spencer from MarketingSpeak.com and OptimizeGeek.com faced, and it was also part of the solution to solving the other problem of getting some popular guests on his podcast. And this is a really creative thing that I'm going to try and do more in the coming months as well. Here's what Stefan said. 
Right. So when I was just starting, and, and I've had these two podcasts for less than a year, so I'm still kind of a newbie at this, but the lack of social proof made it very difficult for me to get big-name guests, like New York Times bestselling authors and so forth. And so the lack of that social proof, um, the lack of number of downloads was my big problem. So the way that I solved that was I created social proof by getting on TV. And I started with smaller TV stations, and by having that social proof, like the As Seen On logos with ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, you know, prominently displayed on my podcast website on OptimizeGeek.com, what uh, that allowed me to do is to kind of skip the conversation about how many downloads do you have, how many subscribers, and so forth, because I have that social proof, and I have a media page with clips of me doing my, um, my TV appearances. And so I've been able to get big-name New York Times bestselling authors, people like Dave Asprey, on my podcast when initially I got stopped at the gate by the gatekeeper of Dave and managed to get through that. And, and that's with a small audience. So how did you get onto TV in these stations? Yeah, so I, I got some training on it, but the idea here is pretty simple. You just cold-call TV producers and you get a really compelling pitch in front of them that's timely and uh, has a, ideally a local hook. So for example, I was on a call with my client and I'm telling him how easy it is to get on TV. I'm like, here, let me prove it to you. I'm going to cold call a TV producer I've never spoken to before. And I did that while I was on the Skype call. I said, just don't say anything. And I made the call, put this on speakerphone, and I'm making my pitch. Like, talking about, are you geek? Take the quiz. And it, my timely local hook was uh, Phoenix Comic Con was that weekend. I was pitching to get um, on a Phoenix station for a Good Morning Arizona uh, show. And she said yes, because I had that local timely hook. And it was a really compelling segment proposal that I had prepared. So not only a quiz, but an instant geek transformation of the host and they love props like that's another great tip incorporate props into your segment so I have all these geeky gadgets and I had the Iron Man Comic Con costume that I was going to have the host wear and of course that was good TV I mean that's great showmanship so have a great proposal and uh, rehearse your pitch and then start making cold calls to TV producers start in small markets like you know, like Tucson or Reno or whatever, and then work your way up as you get more uh, experience on TV. And uh, there's a whole episode on how to get on TV. The guy that I got the training from, Clint Arthur, I interviewed before I decided to take his training. I interviewed him on my podcast on Marketing Speak. And from that, I actually ended up signing up. I mean, he was a good salesman, and he actually pitched me right after my interview. And I signed up, and, you know, look what happened. It's pretty amazing. So great opportunities there that Stefan opened up. Even though he didn't have that massive audience, he was able to leverage other things to open great opportunities. And wouldn't it be cool to be able to say, I appeared on ABC or CBS or any of these local stations, and it's okay if it's only a local, smaller station, but to say, I was on ABC, that's a big deal. So some of the tips I pulled from what Stefan Spencer from MarketingSpeak.com and OptimizeGeek.com said, number one, call local TV producers with a timely pitch. Know what's going on in the news. You maybe even decide to call a TV producer of some other locality because you know what's going on in their area and you could approach them with a timely pitch. But it's also really ideal to have local relevance to that pitch. What's something going on? 
in that area that the TV producer would think, oh yeah, this is totally relevant to our station and our audience. We want to share this. Tip number two, incorporate props into your segment. That could be cool things that you have to bring with you, something that looks interesting because TV segments are so much more interesting when there's something to see, not only your great looking face, but something else. You're showing cool things. Tip number three, take that content and create a media page with your TV appearances on that page. Get those video clips, include those logos, that kind of thing. So people can see, oh, wow, you've been on CBS and ABC and NBC, and I can watch this. And wow, you're really confident. You handle yourself well. You present great content. Yeah, I definitely want to help this guy out. I definitely want to talk to this guy. And then you completely bypass the conversation about podcast numbers. And hey, connect this with what Maurice said about getting sponsors and you could approach a sponsor and say things like this to say, look, we've been on ABC or CBS and then move beyond the discussion about your numbers and really talk about the value that you present. So special thanks to Stefan Spencer from MarketingSpeak.com and OptimizeGeek.com for that great information. And he sent me some links to that episode where they talk more in depth about how to get on TV. So check out the links for that in the show notes for this episode at TheAudacityToPodcast.com slash Creative Solutions. Problem number four, reducing reverb. Many of us as podcasters are recording from our homes, our basements, our closets, from rooms that probably are not soundproofed. They're not ideal audio studios. And that's okay that you don't have a professional studio, but you do have a space, which I will call your studio, whatever it is. Even if it's literally your closet, that's your studio. A big problem that you'll have, almost regardless of the microphone that you use, is reverb. Even if you have a great dynamic microphone and you're really close to it, you could still have reverb, which is audio bouncing off the walls and mixing in together to come back into the microphone. Just go into your bathroom, stand in the middle of your shower and sing. And that is reverb, that sound you hear back from yourself. Or if you go into a concrete stairwell, that sound that you hear when you speak and yell, that's reverb. It's not a distinct echo where you do hear your words spoken back to you, but it is a form of an echo. We call it reverb when that sound is reverberating off of all of the surfaces in your space. This is especially a problem if you have multiple microphones in your space, in your studio, and you have multiple people talking What might not be a problem with only one microphone on could be a problem with two microphones. And I've run into this many times before. So to reduce reverb, I have four tips for you. Number one, use a mirror to find the places that reflect directly into your microphone. This is when you have a friend move a mirror along your wall and you look into that mirror from where you sit or put your head where your microphone is and you're looking into that mirror to see when you can see your microphone. And that will give you an idea of the places you need to focus on to fix that reverb. Think about this, especially if you have multiple microphones in your space, move that mirror around. And if you can see someone else's microphone through the reflection in the mirror from where you're sitting, that's a spot that will need some reverb and acoustic treatment. 
So that will give you an idea of where you need the treatment the most in your space because you don't have to have a perfectly padded wall in order to reduce reverb, although that can help. But you could hit just those most important areas. Tip number two, reduce those flat surfaces. So when you know those areas that are problems, most likely they're completely flat areas. If they're not completely flat, then they're probably not a problem. But walls, ceilings, hard floors desks, monitors, any kind of hard reflective surface could be a source of reverb because the audio bounces off of that just like light would bounce off of it and reflect in different directions. Audio does the same thing. So you need to reduce the flatness of those surfaces. You can move furniture there. You can hang things on the wall. The main idea is make it as unflat as possible. Look at something like the F-117 Stealth Fighter. It barely has a flat surface on it. That is to help make it invisible to radar and other aircraft detection methods so that the signal is diffused and bounced in all kinds of different directions and it never goes back to the radar tower to try and make that aircraft invisible to radar. Do the same thing in your studio. Reduce those flat surfaces, especially where you see those reflections. Tip number three, hang multiple layers of blankets or towels. Whatever you can do. If furniture doesn't work, hang something there. Not a poster or something like that, but hang cloth. Hang something that's soft and porous. And imagine that it could soak up water. If it could soak up water, it could probably also, in a sense, absorb sound. And that will reduce that reverb. This isn't soundproofing your studio, which would be preventing outside noise from making its way in or preventing inside noise from making its way out. Although this can help in tiny ways with that. We're primarily fixing the problem of reverb. And tip number four, build your own acoustic panels. There are different kinds of sound treatment in the space. Primarily, what you'll most often hear people talk about is acoustic tiles, acoustic panels, and bass traps. Acoustic tiles are those squares that you typically see that have wedges or look like they are egg crates or something like that. People will glue them to their walls, and that does provide some level of reverb protection and absorbing the sound. The thicker, the denser that it is, the better that it protects you from the reverb. But that's not the absolute best way of doing it. The better way would be with acoustic panels. These are large panels, probably two feet by four feet is a a common size that you'll see. These are much thicker. They're designed differently and they do a much better job of absorbing that sound so that it's not bounced around and then you don't get as much reverb. The other thing is a bass trap, and these are things you put in the corners because what can happen is when sound bounces into a corner, it bounces back and forth between those corners and can cause a lower bass sound. So even if you have reduced general reverb in your space, you could still have this bass reverb, and that's because of your corners. But the most common thing you'll face in podcasting would be that general reverb, the spoken word area of the frequencies and you can fix that best with acoustic panels and acoustic panels don't have to be extremely expensive although you can buy them where they are a hundred or two hundred dollars per panel and they're professionally designed they last a long time they're certainly worth it but that's expensive instead consider a diy solution do it yourself build your own acoustic panels 
These can be really easy to do, and I've embedded a few videos into the show notes for this episode, number 278, at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash creative solutions. These show you some different ways of creating acoustic panels. The basic concept is you make a frame, a good size is a two foot by four foot frame, and inside of that frame, you put something to absorb the sound. One very common method is you put rock wool insulation. This is fairly inexpensive. It's fairly easy to get. You might have to special order it from your local hardware store because they'll usually have 16-inch versions available, but you want something bigger. You want a two-foot wide panel most likely. So try to special order that two-foot by four-foot sized version. This will end up making your panels cost about $10 per panel, and you get some cloth to wrap around it, some very porous cloth, kind of like you would see on speakers. And that's much better than $100 to $200. But just recently, another DIY channel posted a video with some pretty clever tests of something that's even less expensive of a filling for making acoustic panels. And that is towels. Yeah, old towels. They don't have to match. They don't have to be the fancy towels that you buy from department stores. Go to the local Goodwill or some other thrift store and buy every towel you can. They can be really inexpensive, like 20 cents each. You layer these together, sew them together so they're a nice thick layer that fits inside of this two foot by four foot frame you've made that's about four inches thick. And then you cover the outside with either a standard looking towel so all of your panels match or you get some other kind of cloth so it looks professional. But the idea is air and sound needs to be able to pass through whatever you put on the outside. Then you can make these panels extremely inexpensively and it can be pretty fun to realize there are towels inside of that box and they can do a really good job. But even if you don't make acoustic panels, you might be able to get similar or better results by simply hanging multiple layers of blankets and towels around your space. Make sure you go to the show notes for this episode where I've embedded several of these videos showing you how you can make your own acoustic panels and you can choose the style and approach that works best for you because there are a couple minor differences with each of them. When I make my own I will make a video for you that shows how to make those acoustic panels and the method that I chose and why I chose it and the results that I get from that. Those videos will be in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash creative solutions. The fifth problem that needs creative solutions is telling stories. I'm really happy that I got to have this person as part of this podcast. This is Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, founder of Gimlet Media, that big podcast network, and a great teller of stories from the radio, from a lot of NPR background. And I got to talk to him at Podcast Movement 2016 because he was the closing keynote speaker, and I'm thrilled to have him as part of this podcast. Here's what Alex Bloomberg had to say about creatively solving podcasting problems. Well, I feel like I, I feel like that's all I ever do every single day is solve problems, <laughs> like it, solve story problems. Like, what, uh, how am I going to make people interested in this topic? How is this going to be interesting for people? Like, how are we going to structure this story so that like it seems interesting to people? How are we going to do a story about? mortgage finance that like <laughs> seems interesting you know i feel like that's all i ever do is, is solve problems every single day what is the source of those solutions for you uh practice uh trial and error and uh input from others playing things for others and seeing if it works or not 
great tips from Alex Bloomberg, and I wanted to be very respectful of his time because there were a lot of other people lined up to ask him questions, and I got his permission to record that and share that in the podcast with you. So he shared three basic things here. And keep in mind that telling stories doesn't mean once upon a time there was a prince and a princess. It could be how you relate the information. You are telling a story when you present information. So how do you tell those stories? I pulled three tips from that brief little bit that he was able to share with us. Number one, practice. Practice, 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 practice. How are you going to tell this story? How are you going to get to that punchline? How are you going to communicate that information? How are you going to transition from point to point? Practice these things over and over. Number two, experiment, trial and error. Try different things, see what works, figure out what doesn't work, learn from your mistakes, learn from your successes, learn from others' mistakes and successes as well. And number three, test it on others to see how well it works. Play your stories or tell your stories to other people. See whether they laugh or how engaged they are or how clear your story is or how understandable, how engaging and interesting it is to them. Great tips from Alex Bloomberg, host of Startup and several other podcasts and the founder of Gimlet Media. Big thanks to him for being part of this podcast. Check out all of these resources and the links to these separate podcasters and the tips that I shared in the show notes for this episode, number 278 at com slash creative solutions. And I would like to hear from you. What's a podcasting problem that you faced and creatively solved? So please comment there on the show notes for this episode. Here's a great review in iTunes. Thanks to General Snobbery, great name, who left a kind review for me in iTunes. You would expect a name like that to not leave a kind review, but he did leave this kind review for the Audacity to Podcast in iTunes, saying, this is a podcast that demonstrates podcasts at their best. Podcasts, above all, are here to help us. Here's a podcast geared entirely toward helping others. No ivory tower, no ego, Simply a kind, intelligent man spreading quality information. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. Well, thank you, General Snobbery. Actually, you could be a guy or a girl. I don't know. It's a little hard to tell from a name like that. But thank you very much for that kind review. It really encourages me. And reviews like this help other people decide to listen to the podcast. And it helps build that social proof, too. So thank you very much for that kind review. I have one announcement for you. And this is the thing I'm really excited about that is happening this week Thursday, August 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, that's GMT minus four, will be my free webinar with Gordon Firemark, what you must know about the law and your podcast. I'll let Gordon Firemark tell you why you need this information. Hi, everyone. Gordon Firemark here, and I just want to tell you about a real honor that I've received, so I'm going to share about it with you. Okay, so if you don't know it, I'm a big podcasting guy. In fact, some people call me the podcasting lawyer because not only do I have a couple of podcasts myself, I also really love to help podcasters and other new media creators with their legal questions and show them how to operate the way big media does with the right protections so they don't wind up in uh, hot water legally. The fact is, podcasting is a growing business, and it is media production. And as long as it grows, it's becoming uh, a bigger target for lawyers and lawsuits. Now, lots of the same legal and business principles that apply to other media also apply to podcasters, but there are a lot of important differences as well. And I view it as part of my mission to educate, inform, and shed light on the ways that content creators can take care of business, protect themselves, and still have fun doing the stuff that they love. That's why I feel so grateful and honored 
that my friend Daniel J. Lewis, who runs the Podcaster Society, has asked me to do a free webinar next week. It's entitled, What You Must Know About the Law and Your Podcast, and it's next Thursday, August 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. We're going to cover all kinds of great stuff, like copyrights and fair use over music, movie clips, podcast content, and images, protecting your podcast branding with trademarks, using contracts and release forms with your guests and co-hosts, and guidelines for complying with the FTC rules and regulations that can have a really important bearing on some of the most common monetization strategies that podcasters use. And I'm going to talk a little bit about a podcaster who recently got sued and dodged a major legal bullet, but that it came with a significant cost. And it all could have been avoided if she just implemented this one little best practice. And of course, you know, my favorite part of these things is answering your legal questions. So I hope you'll register and join us next Thursday, the 25th at noon Pacific. That's 3 p.m. Eastern. I'm really looking forward to this webinar to answer those questions you have about the law and podcasting and letting you know those things that you might not have thought of, but you need to think about for your podcast to keep it legal, keep yourself out of jail, protect your money, protect yourself, protect your co-host, protect your guests and more. So register for that at podcasterssociety.com. That is a completely free webinar. The replay will be available for a short time afterward. But if you're listening to this much longer after August 25th, 2016, then join Podcaster Society at podcasterssociety.com and you'll get immediate access to this webinar and any of the bonuses that come along with it, along with all of the other great training that we offer inside Podcaster Society and the community and the support to help you improve and grow your podcast from average to amazing. That's at podcasterssociety.com. Get the links and resources from this episode. You can watch that video from Gordon. You can download the example that Stefan used for getting on a local TV station. You can listen to his episode where they talk more about it. You can check out these other podcasts that have been mentioned here and more in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash creative solutions. And please comment with your creative solutions to podcasting problems that you've faced. That's at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash creative solutions. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitytopodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.